Say an amen. amen. All right, quickly, um, we're going to get up to pray again, and we're going to spend a long time standing. So I just want to get over what I have to do. Well, if I succeed in my plans for like 20 minutes, and then we'll start declaring the word of God. Can we open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 4? What I just want to share with us briefly is that John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, that this is a confidence we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That is, the Lord hears us if we ask anything according to his will. Which means that if we want to be sure we are ahead, it's just to pray according to his will. It's our school of prayer. So we are learning how to pray. Now what I just want to re-emphasize to us again, nothing new, it's just admonishing us in that area, is how do we pray a prayer that is according to his will? That's why we have confession a lot of times. We are aware of that scripture, that um, in that first John chapter 5, we are aware of it. If we ask anything whatsoever according to his will, he hears. Now, so how do we ensure that it's according to his will? Now, the interpretation many times is, I'm asking God for a car. Does he want me to have a car? We're not if I only can be sure he wants me to have a car, and then, you know, we ask according to his will. I am sick. Does he want to heal me? If I'm sure he wants to heal me, I will not ask. And I, Now, unfortunately, that statement does not generate confidence in prayer. Are you getting my point? And a double-minded man does not receive anything from God. You're, from my, my, you're getting my point now. That is, if you see, you see, if John qualifies this and say, if it's according to his will, we hear. That concept, that thought that's now dropped in my mind, that result of what John says, it now creates doubt in me. It removes confidence. Why? Because when I come to prayer, I'm now wondering, is this according to his will? Are you getting my point? I want to travel tomorrow. I'm asking for divine protection. First question is that, did he say I should travel? And then you now find a situation in which even churches teach it. They now end every prayer with, if it is your will. Now, if it is your will, has just said you don't know what you're talking about, and you are not asking in faith, and if you are not asking in faith, the Bible says, don't expect to receive anything from his hands. It's a very important question for us to answer. Now, but think about it. John could not have sought to create confusion in the lives of the people all right, that he was writing to. Because he would have had to teach them how to know the will of God first before they start praying. You are getting my point? Now, I heard a preacher speak once. He went to visit a woman in, in hospital, and the woman was sick. So the woman said, Pastor, pray, so I will be healed. She, he said no, and this was the teaching he was giving. Now, first of all, I did not agree with him. I don't want you to explain something. So he said that, he asked the woman, no, there's no, let's not pray yet. Let's go and go and find out God's will. Then we will pray. He came back a day or two later. And by that time, the woman and him, independently, they have found out the will of God that she was going to die. So now, and then they prayed a prayer that accepted that she was not going to recover. Now, people may say, you see, that's true spirituality. I really don't think so, and I'll tell you my reason. You know, God deals with us according to our level. Are you getting my point? If he saw that that was their level in life, he would have left them like that. That's why you need to build your faith before the time that you need it. I've thought about it. There is no, there's no option for the believer, all right, than to build his or her faith with God's word 
constantly. Emphasis on with God's word. You know, if you didn't eat, all right, in the morning, okay, you're not a breakfast person, thank God. You didn't eat in the afternoon. By evening, you'll be feeling very tired. You'll be feeling faint. If you go to the gym, those days, when I used to go to the gym, I, I, really, I, I always make sure I ate something small, no matter how little. Sometimes I just, you know, they, 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 those five naira biscuits of those days, or king biscuit, all those kind of things. Why? Because if I went to the gym and I carried weight when I didn't have enough glucose flowing, my muscles would tremble for the next two days. They'd just be trembling. I don't know why. I don't, know, I don't even understand the logic behind it. You can't carry a lot of weight when you haven't eaten. So I learned that habit early. Even if it's a biscuit, I will eat it and then drink a bottle of water. That is how it is spiritually also. We need to be fed constantly. If we are not fed all the time, when we need our muscles to work, it will not work. Faith is not about knowledge. I'm sorry to say it. You know that I'm aware of that scripture. No. Faith is about constantly imbibing. God doesn't give us, he did not give us the, the scriptures for the sake of simple knowledge. He gave us scriptures as a way of delivering a spirit into us. He said, the letters profit nothing. That is, I have a Bible, it doesn't have any profit in itself. Thank God Jesus used the word letter, which even makes it more in tune with reading matter. Are you getting my point? He didn't just say the words, even though he was referring to the physical words. Okay, but he said, the letter profits nothing. It is the spirit that gives life. So the scriptures, the, all, all those verses in the Bible were given to be used as a constant introduction of the Spirit of God into us. So I've read John chapter 3, verse 16. I can recite it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. We all know that. We learned that one as when we were children. But I still need to recite it to myself periodically to experience that life of the Spirit. The fact is that the life is not in the letters. The life is in Christ. So there's a constant infusion from Christ that we must experience all the time. You're getting my point here. So that's how faith is. So except faith is built in our heart, all right, we will have problems in prayer. That's why we have to constantly build our faith daily. Wake up in the morning, read a few verses of the Bible. Read it as, not, not as, let me do my quiet time, I've done it for today. No, it's let me eat breakfast. The Red Prince said he did it for a few weeks, I think about two months, and the sickness that attached himself to him for over a year, that doctors were tired of, got healed. And he was doing literally with food. He would eat breakfast, then open the Bible, and read some of the red-colored areas, because he had shaded the Bible everywhere that had anything to do with divine healing. He would eat in the afternoon, open it again, read a few more. Why? He said, Proverbs chapter 4, My son, attend to my words. All right? They are life to those who are find them, and medicine to their flesh. So it was taken as medicine, and it got cured. So not just, okay, I've read Psalm 1 before, no need again. No. You know what? I eat bread almost every day. You won't bring me bread and say, I say I've eaten it before. Every day you are eating rice. If I say, you ate rice yesterday, you come to my house, I garnish rice and I bring it again, you will say, oh, so cut <laughs> You start speaking in tongues when you see food. The same food you have eaten before. But when you see Psalm 1, you have read it before. One of the first books I buy are the ones I've read before. If I go out and buy 10 books, no one thing. Six of them I've read before. My number one reason for buying a book is I've read it before. I'm not kidding. 
Look, listen, I'm, I'm not an adventurous reader. I go to a bookshop, I don't know your name, I don't know the book, and I'll buy it. The chances are less than one in 1,000. I buy books based on who wrote this book. And most importantly, if I've read the book before, I buy it. If I read the book and I don't have a copy, all right? The day I see it, I buy my own copy. That's how it is. All I'm going to say is that there's nothing like I've read it before. God told the people of Israel, say, a time will come, you want to set a king over you. He said, this is one commandment I have for the king. If first has don't, 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 there was only one thou shalt that the king had. You tell the king, you will not multiply horses for yourself. That's a don't. You will not multiply land. That's a don't. You will not multiply farmland, houses, property. You will not multiply slaves, wives. Everything was don't, don't, don't. But there was one do. You will take a copy of this law, all the laws he gave Moses. In the presence of the scribes, you will make your own copy. They were not allowed to help him write it. Not now. Please, copy my own onto this flash. No. Download my own for me from the app store. No. It was a physical book, scroll, and he was copy it one by one, letter by letter. And he would make sure, of course, they observe that he doesn't make any mistake. All right? When he's done with copying the book, he will now start reading. This is the commandment of God. Then he will start reading. And when he finishes reading, he will go back and start again. And when he finishes reading, he will go back and start again. And when he finishes reading, he will go back again and start again. And when he finishes reading again, he will go back again and start all over again. And when he's done with reading it all over again, he will start all over over again and start reading it again. And when he finishes that time, he will start everything all over again and he will start reading it. I imagine that if you read those scrolls like that, it gets brittle and maybe fade. He will make another copy. And he will start reading it again. You know what God said? This he shall do all the days of his life. This he shall do for how long? All the days of his life. Believe me, any day you don't settle down and eat some scripture, some portions of the word of God, listen to a message. It's a wasted day. Not a joke. I, I also have done it many times. I do it a lot of times. I'm correcting myself as I'm correcting you. You should jog every morning. Now I've been saying it. Everybody, you must jog every morning. Get up in the morning and jog. But not the opera square jogging. You didn't collect anybody's wife. Take your Bible and jog it. That's what I mean. Take your Bible and do what? Jog the Bible. You know, something happened this morning. I woke up. I was angry with myself for a number of reasons. So I started praying angrily. I wasn't angry, but I said, God, I need to pray. Are you getting my point? That's why I was just praying, praying. Therefore, I took my Bible. I was looking for Psalm 18. But unconsciously, I went to Psalm 118. After reading it halfway, I said, this one eighteen is looking different this morning. <laughs> so I went back to the beginning. I said, oh, it's 118. No, okay, actually, I stumbled on the particular verse. I said, when did this verse move over here? So I went again. I said, oh, look at you. You're supposed to be in Psalm 18. It's 118. So I continued reading. At that time, my wife got up and left the room. When she came back, she was wondering why I was so excited. I had gotten to Psalm 119. And I was just going, let me use the word, crazy. Ha! I told my wife, did you know this song when I was here? I said, this verse, these verses are, ah, you know, they were alive. They were talking. It's as if each one was leaping out of the page, pages. 
and hitting me in the face. I was so excited. By the time I finished talking about it, my wife had knelt and opened her Bible. I was reading it to say there must be something <laughs> that my husband has found in this book of Psalms. What I'm going to say is that, of course, we've, we've been reading Psalm 109 for a very long time. But this morning, I was just discovering things inside it again. There's one I found out. Very interesting. David said, God, a lot of people have decided to make themselves my enemies. They are going around trying to spoil my name. So let's do it like this. You handle them. Me, I will continue to meditate on your word. My brother, when I saw it, I said, ah, God, said, don't answer anybody again. That this it is forbidden. In fact, A.W. Tozer said it's one of the keys to spiritual power. Never defend yourself. That's what Tuza said. A key to the, the, the spiritual power, don't go around defending yourself. Let them do what they want to do. David said, as for me, no, let, let, let me read that portion to you. It's beautiful. So that is, I wonder, what, what is he talking about? Can you go to Psalm 109? I'm not emphasizing something there. Eh? That you have to eat this word on a daily basis. Daily. On a daily basis. You cannot afford to let a day pass and you have not eaten it. It's not good. What did I say? It's not good, though. There are so many verses there. I'll talk about someone maybe for beginning from next week. I just want to bring out something here. David says something. Depending on the version you are reading, you'll find something that he said. Verse 23. He said, Even princes sit and speak against me. What David said he would do? He said, But I will meditate on your decrees. Now, I'm using the New Living Translation. That people are sitting down, they are talking against me. He said, but me, what do I do? I just continue meditating on your word. Essentially, he was telling the Lord, well, let's do it like this. You take care of them. My own primary duty is what? Continue to meditate on the word of God. That's what David was saying. What am I going to say here? Even though we have read this before, we continue reading it because actually, it is not just giving us instructions it is giving us life. It's infusing faith into us. Now, please, I know where I went into that from, all right? We're trying to read something. Are we open to it? Was that from where? Hebrews 4, okay. So I was going to say that, so believers, therefore, when John said, we will ask according to his will, we have to build our faith before the day of need so that we can ask in conf- confidence according to his will. His will is not that does God want me to have the card as red or not? Listen to me. That's not, God doesn't expect that to be part of our prayer points. This unnecessary detailed specificity weakens faith. We think that it strengthens faith, but it doesn't. Why did I go into all of that thing I said about the word of God feeding to us daily? The reason is because that is the will John was talking about. When he says, if we shall ask according to his will, he wasn't talking about, listen, John could not have been introducing confusion to the lives of the people. John was taught by the Lord Jesus. When he said, if we ask according to his will, he wasn't saying, please understand this, it was not possible for John to have been implying that if you can just locate whether God wants you to do something. I was telling you about the man who, um, the man who went to, 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 to hospital to pray. I can give you stories of another man of God. But before that, let's talk about Jesus. There was never a time Jesus encountered somebody and refused to heal the person. Think about it. The only time the people don't get healed, you know what he says? What does he say? 
your faith is little. If you can do anything, he said, if I can do anything, it's not if I can do anything, it's if you can believe. He went to his own hometown, and there he couldn't heal many people. Why? Their own belief. So when the man said that, let's go and find out whether Jesus wants to, God wants to heal somebody, I have a bit of a problem with that. He can go and find out whether we have enough faith. But whether God wants to, he always wants to. We don't always rise up to it in faith. That's a matter of fact. But he always wants to. You are getting my point here? So when John was talking about praying according to his will, he wasn't saying, go and find out whether God really wants you to get that promotion or not. John was saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't the words of Paul now? Now, when the words of Christ dwell in you richly, you will not be able to ask what you will. That's why Jesus said like this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. That's how it goes. So how do you ask in, according to his will, in accordance with his will? It's simple. You ask simply in accordance with his word. And this is what I found out. My wife and I were discussing this morning. I told my wife, I said, why do we want, why do we want him to learn to pray against self? I don't think it's necessary. All the prayers have been said in the Bible. Believe me. All the prayers have been said in the word of God. So what do we need to do? Pick up the Bible and pray the prayer. Let me say something to you. You know, I've said this before. I've not been able to get Christians to learn it, but we'll get there one day. When the Bible will tell you that they lifted their voices in one accord, we were taught those that there was the Holy Spirit interpreting what they were saying. No. They lifted their voice in one accord. All of them said the same thing. This is what we do. Let's pray for Nigeria. Somebody saying here. Somebody saying, hey, good, good, good. On the other side, somebody saying, and say, we are praying for Nigeria. That was not like that in the Bible. They prayed with what? One accord. Usually, in fact, that's why I mean, I've talked to you. I've talked to you, Yinka, you know. I said, that's why if you see the way a lot of us lead prayer here, we tend to talk a lot, encouraging people really repeat what we are saying. If you hear, if you hear okay, leading prayer or Yinka leading prayer, they continue talking. It's deliberate that you don't need to manufacture. Just, be, just if you just be repeating what I'm saying. We are praying on the same matter. This modern Pentecostal confusion. God has just been managing it. When you are doing communal praying, you are supposed to use the same words. That is why they could write in the Bible that deleted their voices and said, and they give it to you. One. <laughs> That's why. That, also, that is why. So, either everybody said it, or one person said it, while everybody was standing, heads bowed, and they were focusing on what he was saying, and periodically they would say, Amen. We are in agreement. This modern Pentecostal cacophony. <laughs> that's what it is, modern Pentecostal cacophony. No, that's not the way the Lord designed it. Prayer is not complicated. What God does is that he gives you words to bring to prayer. You want to go and pray, Holy Spirit, say, come. Take, take this with you. You get there. You know, God is not, he doesn't want you to be innovative. No. Start speaking English for the Lord. Believe me, a lot of English we speak, the Lord is wondering, is this guy... Exactly. Is this guy, is he high on something? <laughs> when men print the Bible, they were orderly. They will say, Lord, you said, and they will read a portion of the scriptures for the Lord. 
They now say, now, do. Are you getting my point? And that's it, it's done. My wife and I were talking this morning. I said, baby, why do we need to learn to pray again? All the prayers have been prayed. I feel like reading from Psalm 19 from next time. From the beginning to the end, this man was praying. You will now see the focus of his prayer, which is why I want us to read it. Give me understanding I shall live. Help your servant to love thy word. Help me not to love money. That's what he kept on praying. Make your word, you know, sweet to thy servant. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of thy law. He used like five different expressions to describe the word of God. Ah, I read it this morning. I was like, Jesus. What have you been praying about? Lord, this year is my offering through. You will give me a cow. You will give me a cow. The Lord is good. Ah. Baby, do you have your email here? That testimony. Can you open it for me? I think I want to read it. I got a testimony yesterday. <laughs> How many times have you seen me dance before? Oh boy. Testimony. Let's do this. Yes, sir. Please permit me to briefly share the testimony Jesus gave me. By the little I have been able to listen to from the audio messages on your website, I presume you may not have so much time to read lengthy mails due to the magnitude of the work that the Lord is doing through you and still needs you to do. It's indeed an immeasurable blessing to so many, which you don't know personally. I'm one of them. And here begins my testimony, very briefly. My name is A.O., born in Lauren, Nigeria. Practically lived all my life there. It was during my master's program at the university that I did my under, where I did my undergraduate studies that I met you through one of the messages my master's project supervisor gave to me. He said, God has indeed turned my life around through the word of faith he brings into my life through you, sir. Understanding comes with a richness I can't explain in words. I especially thank God for you. And the Lord will continue to fill you with more and more grace, strength, wisdom, illumination like never before. He said, after God had miraculously provided a lecturing job for me in the same university, I intended looked forward to getting out of the country to pursue my PhD. I didn't want to stay in Lauren again and in the same university where I had done all my educational pursuits. Oh, listen to this now. All the applications looked futile. I applied to so many universities abroad, but most of the time I got admissions that came with tuition fees I couldn't even imagine funding with my salary. Not to talk of the cost of living. I remember my parents saying that they would sell everything they had once I got a cheaper one, just to allow me to pursue my dream of a higher degree abroad. I sincerely didn't want my parents suffering back in Nigeria because I was studying abroad, so I simply prayed to the Lord that my parents would not need to worry about my education, but that the Lord himself will provide everything I would need. I believe he heard me. This is where the matter now grew interesting. Now, I read to you, not me saying it too. It seemed like nothing happened. I finished my master's 2014. A year later, two years, nothing. I started applying frantically everywhere because I felt I, I was just stagnant. Still, nothing happened. On the other hand, I got more and more application turndowns and rejections. I tried everything for scholarships, grants, fellowships, and all, many of which were not even acknowledged. The rest met a stone wall. I got very frustrated, and my life began to break up. At those moments, the word of God you preached reached deeper inside me and gave me strength. I remember messages like what to do in the times of affliction. And the charge you gave saying, ask yourself, 
What am I supposed to be learning? Who am I supposed to be blessing? I therefore concentrated on the students I was supposed to be helping. I concentrated on the children I was teaching in my church. I remember so well now the message you preached concerning wanting something so badly that you lose it. Using the example you said, Reverend Ifeobuke, gave during Wavbeck Convention concerning his baby that cried and cried for breast milk when his mother went out and couldn't even suck when she came back because he had exhausted himself crying. I listened to more and more of the word of God through your messages until I got to my school one day and just declared, Lord, if I don't do a PhD, so what? Your name will still be praised. And then I plunged into all that God needed me to do at that time. Let me say that again. I plunged into all that God needed me to do at that time. I discovered so much of what God needed me to do in the children's ministry he called me to. I discovered so much of the mentorship programs that God needed me to develop among the students in the school and the youth in my church, in the church. It was a life reborn in Christ, and indeed I was happy. The frustration left my soul. My parents kept wondering if everything was right with me. And most times they just simply complained that I wasn't pursuing my dreams again, that I had derailed. I told you, once we, when people start thinking you are crazy, you are close to breakthrough. He said, but the Spirit of God kept me going. And great blessing, God began to pour the children and students that God inspired me to mentor. One day, almost without doing anything, in fact, I considered myself having done nothing. Christ surprised me. I wasn't expecting this, but God gave me the greatest shock of my life. I got a mail telling me I was being considered for an EU scholarship, but that I needed to undergo a Skype interview with the professors in charge. I hooked up on the, on the appointed day for the interview, unsure of where to begin, because I felt very unmatched with the high-ranking qualities the, that they required of the candidate. I did my undergraduate in, in, in electrical engineering, master's in electrical electronics. I was looking for a PhD in robotics. And as earlier made my application with proposal in disaster robotics to develop ro- robots to help people during natural or man-made disasters. This particular interview was for PhD research in social robotics. I simply told God in prayer, if it's you, then please help me, because I'm not sure how to begin or what to say to them in answer to their questions. Even though I had read up a few things, social robotics for the interview, I knew deeply that this wasn't about what I knew or what I could prepare for, but the power of God working. So I went for the interview with God. And behold, by what I said in the interview, I went on my knees and told God, if they take me based on what I said, then it's obviously you working this out. Because I didn't see anything impressive, anything spectacular or brilliant as far as I was concerned. I just went with God, praised God, and went back to what he called me to do at that time, helping the kids and the students. And lo and behold, sir, I got a message at the time that I had let, when I had let go of any other pursuit other than doing what God needed me to do, I got the message literally from God, even though it bore the name European Union, European Commission mandate that he was calling me to undertake a PhD work in social robotics in Israel. My trip, tuition, living expenses will be funded, and that it will be in collaboration with several other European countries, where I will be getting training to get me equipped for the work. I was selected as one of the 15 PhD researchers from all over the world. <laughs> he says, sir, this is God. It is still God, and it will remain God. I practically and literally did nothing. He, through his son, Jesus Christ, gave me life, victory, and this testimony to share with the world that Jesus is Lord. Then he said many other things. He said, 
They kept wondering right from the embassy where my visa and travel visa were paid until the time I landed. How did you do it? Where did you come from? Which university did you study before now? What strategies did you take? He said, sir, I have no other answer. Jesus did it for me. He said, even though I, I landed in the country where I hadn't been before, introduced to a last full of sophisticated equipment and robots I've never ever even touched or seen or worked on in my life, I trust that the Lord who brought me here has a reason. And he continued talking. No, the, the message is still long ago. <laughs> I just need to stop here. <laughs> the Lord is good. I first gave it, I just said, even if I don't do a PhD, so what? I told one lady once, she was telling him that she's always dreaming that she will lose her job. And prophet said that she lose her job, she needs to sow a seed. What should she do? I said, next time the devil tells you that, wake up and say, so what? She said, is, it, is it job? Take. All right, I don't want. Don't I said, all of this one of it. <laughs> Listen, for me, it was exciting. What excited me was I said, somebody said, listen, what is it? Let me allow God to do If he won't do it, well, that's it. Leave it. And he said, what did he ask, have for me for that moment? Teaching children in my church, teaching my students, and mentoring them. He said, I plunged myself into that. My parents thought I had gone crazy. In effect, then one day, the Lord said, yeah, come. At that time, you know, that is how you will prosper. Somebody say amen. Amen. Let me prophesy to you. You will live in houses you did not build. Amen. You will run businesses you did not start. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me continue what I was, what I was saying. If I just remember that. Listen to me. So how do we pray according to his will? He's not holding on to something tenacious that says the will of God. No. Only the word is his will. There is nothing else that is the will of God apart from his word. Did you hear what I said? Should I marry A or marry B? It's not his will. His will is his word. I hope you're getting my point. Should I go to Lagos or stay in Enugu? It's not his will. His will is his word. So when I want to pray, I learn to pray just his will. I don't pray my... Christians pray their desires too much. It's okay to mention your desires in prayer, to get it off your mind. But you don't hold on to it. You hold on to... His word, which is his will. So John said, if we ask anything according to his will, that is, if I pray the word of God, he will hear. That's what John was saying. I don't doubt it. John was not, because he didn't teach them how to decipher the will of God. And he was saying this is a confidence. You have to pray in confidence. I thought about it. I said, there's no prayer that has not been prayed. There's no prayer that has not been prayed. Just lift it up. This too much English is not good, I've seen people take pride in how lengthy their prayers are. Oh, Father. They first speak one long tongue, then begin to tell God history. Use all kinds of grammar to impress those of us who are hearing. I have neighbors that pray all the time. I wish I could pray like them. But I've never heard what they're asking for. Are you, did you catch that? Make all the noise. We can hear them sing, hear them praise God. When it's time for request, every man drop his voice. <laughs> this is on campus. Everybody wants to worship the Lord. Father, one hour. Time for request. Think guy don't go house. <laughs> every man will don't drop his voice. And that's why I go say, what, what was he shouting about in the first place? 
What was the chat about? You want people to hear you? Why is the request low? Are you getting my point? If I just use the same temple for everything. Sometimes we just come with very plenty of words. I want to pray. I found out that no, it's not like that. He said, God is in heaven. You are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. Let your words be few. What are the words you pray? We talked about vain repetitions. Which repetition is that that is not vain? That is one that is based on the word of God. So I said we should open to John chapter 4. Don't bother open uh, Hebrews chapter 4, sorry. For time's sake, let me not, let's not open it because we all know it. He said, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Let's, what I want is that living and active. When it says living, what literally means that is a living being. He wasn't talking about the word of God just being living the way okay, it has life in itself. No. He was trying to emphasize that the word is a living being. For example, when you talk about the, when you think of the Holy Spirit, your mind, you think of a person. When you think of the Lord Jesus, you think of a person. You kind of want to have a conversation with him. All right? When you think of angels, you know you know angels are watching you. You know angels can do things. You know angels can go and find something that is missing. You know that. And that was all Paul was trying to explain to us that the word of God is also to be looked at like that. Are you getting my point? Now, what am I trying to say? When you pray the word, it can think. It's alive. When you pray the word, it can command angels. When you pray the word, you get my point? It can make up its mind for you. For example, Adam, it is not good that you are alone. Are you getting my point? So when Adam wants to pray, he doesn't mention any woman's name. No. What he mentions in prayer is, it is not good. The Lord said, it is not good that I am alone. Therefore, he will make for me a help that is suited for me. That's the end of prayer. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. That's it. So, I received that help that the Lord has made. Now, you have prayed the word of God. The word of God will now go out and decide, Adam, fall asleep. The Adam will fall asleep. They will take a rib out of Adam's side and form what the word, let me just use the expression, what the word thinks. Okay, is best for Adam. And that is what he knows, and that is the truth. So he forms for Adam what he knows to be the best thing for him. And then Adam gets to see Eve, what she looks like for the first time after they had, in quote, in quote, married her for him. Why? Because the word can think. The word can think. So when I'm talking about breakthrough, I'm praying concerning breakthrough in my life. I don't pray, hey, God, oh, tomorrow I'm going for an interview at um, Nigeria Breweries. Oh, I have favor. They will take me. The door of Nigeria Brewery, I speak to you. Open, 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 open. I'm telling you, open. Nigeria Brewery. <laughs> you just with Nigeria Brewery, so the angels start suspecting this boy. Say, yeah, this guy won't drink something. <laughs> the guy wants to go and drink. The way he's doing it. No, you write your, inter- your, your application, most certainly, go ahead and write it. You, you, you try for federal government, try, in quotes now. You know uh, what they call it, MTN, anywhere. How do I pray over it? It's simple. I am fruitful, I multiply, I fill the earth. Do you get my point? The Lord, no good thing will he withhold from me in the name of Jesus. He surrounds me with favor as with a shield. As I'm, I'm throwing that word in the direction of all around my life. Let me just be like that. 
have an interview tomorrow, I take that word there. That word, after declaring, declaring, declaring it, you can go for the interview. The word just simply locks the door. I say, oh boy, this is not your own. Why? The word can think. Only one of our brothers said I was traveling abroad for something. He applied for a visa. I said, where, where you the worker go? So when they got there, when they denied him the visa, he could send me a message. He said, I know there's somebody that's happy I've been denied. He said, who, who is that? You, sir. I said, yes, you are very correct. <laughs> I am happy. He said, there's no way you are going. With all the faith in his heart, the word locked the door, and he could not go. Do you get what I'm saying here? It is not everything the, the, the word gives to you. He knows your own. And you have to learn to do what? Trust. So Christians, stop praying. I'm going for an interview tomorrow. You, you lock your eyes on a particular company where you want to work. And you start declaring and breaking the door down and mention their name in prayer. You are, you are, you are, let me tell you something. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord gives you that thing but doesn't really want you to have it. But because you have so harassed his life, you know you can harass God until he gives you something. Yes, you will harass him. I must eat me too. God said, eat this manna. No. No. It's the only manna. I need meat. I need cucumbers. So God said, all right. Boys, supply meat. As meat was coming, the one spirit came. Can I put salmonella inside it? And the Lord said, go ahead. He said, give them meat according to their lust. And it what? He sent leanness into their souls. Everybody became sick. Food poisoning came into the camp. So sometimes it's not, don't, don't harass God. What do you do? You pray the word. You pray what? The word. That's how to pray the will of God. That's what John meant. And so he said, if we ask according to the word, he hears us. And I want us to trust again that the word knows how to make decisions. It knows. It's a living being. You pray the word. That word that says that no good thing will you withhold from them that walk uprightly. That word would say, oh boy, this is not good for you. Oh girl, forget this side. This is not good. That's why we learn to rejoice even in our disappointments. You know, I read something yesterday. This morning, one was reading that sound. The one I told my wife and I were getting excited over. David, in about two or three portions, he sat down and began to thank God for affliction. He said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. He said, but now I obey your word. He said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. I know, you know, he was trying to explain. I know my troubles. They may, they may not look nice, so, but God, so I can obey you, I know it was good. He was trying to say, God, you presided over everything in my life. You were there presiding over every portion of it. Read that Psalm 1. Next week we'll begin to read it. All through, David was just focusing on the word of God. And that is the will. This evening I want us to pray. And don't mention anything like, God, I need money. No. Nobody said, the Lord knows what you need before you even ask him. So he says, seek first, what? The kingdom of God. God doesn't like us always talking about our needs. One is never tired of hearing is what he said. He's never tired of hearing it. Instead of coming, quoting for him, Lord, this is the fourth day I've been asking you for that 1,500. Come celebrating what he has said. Say, so, Lord, today I want to talk. I want to. I want to talk to you about my needs. Now, this is what I want to say: The Lord shall supply all my needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. He makes all grace abound towards me. I have all sufficiency in all things, and I abound to every good work. Are you getting my point? 
I just keep on repeating that. That is, the, do you know what? The word crystallizes into an execution at that point. Goes to bring exactly what I need, not what I think I need. Sometimes he goes to remove the need. I realize I don't need anything. Sometimes he supplies just what I thought I needed. At other times he supplies more because I did not realize I needed as much as that. Are you getting my point? I want us to pray. Let's rest our feet. Let's take some time to pray the word. Let's take some time to pray the word. There's, look, almost everybody, you know, when they say, <laughs> that's why it makes me laugh a lot of times. When they say, sow a seed for that need to be met. You know what they don't realize? It's good to sow a seed, though. You know, really, you should sow a seed. Apostle, you should sow a seed. But what is the seed? What is the seed? He said, the seed is the word of God. You should sow a seed. For the meeting of your needs. But the seed, seed, seed is the word of God. Somebody's going to sow a seed this morning so that you can get healed. That affliction that has been afflicting you is going to be afflicted back today. And to get that affliction to be afflicted so that you can be free from your afflictions, you will sow a seed. Once they say it, just rise up and begin to sow the seed. The seed is what? The word of God. You should sow a seed. Somebody needs to sow a seed for a brilliant destiny. You will say, God... After today, my destiny will not be the same again. I don't know what it was before anyway, but you know, just. <laughs> you should sow a seed. You should sow a seed. What is that seed? The word of God. The seed is the word of God. You want to sow a seed concerning your destiny, it's simple. It's in the Bible. Psalm 139. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. He said, Before there was any one of them, all the days of my life, I've been reading your books. Lord, let it be unto me according to what you have written in the name of Jesus. That's the seed. I have been redeemed for a purpose. I have been bought. I belong to Christ. He's at work within me both to will and to do his good pleasure. I'm showing forth his excellencies because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm a part of his holy nation, a peculiar people. I've been called to show forth his excellencies. That is what the seed. That's it for destiny. That's it. That's destiny seed right there. That money you put in the basket is called money in the basket. <laughs> it's not the seed for your destiny. Please, I keep on saying it. Christians are generous givers. Somebody say amen. amen. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. If you're a cheerful giver, say amen. amen. God does not love cheerful investors who give and tie a rope to their offering. <laughs> 